Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. and 47 of the AFTN podcast. I am Joe DC, and this week I am joined by Nicholas Ruprecht. Hello, greetings. Nick, long time no chat. Um, how, how are you feeling about the season so far for the Whitecaps? Optimistic, I would say, um, especially given the, the format where, you know, most teams get to go to the playoffs. I'd like to think that the Whitecaps are one of those middling of the road kind of teams that could get into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. in, in most people's season previews, apart from uh, Eastern Conference biased uh, MLS.com journalists, um, the Whitecaps were kind of lingering right underneath the playoff bar. But have your expectations changed based on what you've seen in the first two games? I mean, I think the Whitecaps have always historically been known as a team that comes out pretty slow. So it's kind of interesting, at least over the first two games to see like a good win against Portland and arguably what should have been a win against Toronto as well. So maybe I'm just on the optimism swing here. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there's a healthy amount of optimism going around the Whitecaps fan base at the moment. Um, the, that last game against Toronto and the deflection off Baldissimo's face, I, <laughs> I, I can't think of a more unlucky sequence. You know, you see them every now and then on YouTube clips, but it seems to happen to the Whitecaps more than other teams. Uh, maybe that's just our, our bias because, you know, we watch the Whitecaps maybe too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, that was a really good game. You know, coming from behind, on the road, in quotes. Yeah. Um, I think you think it counted anyway. At any rate, it's on the road. You know, it's a little disappointing, obviously, to to lose in a fashion like that. But I thought like the game plan from the start was really good. How the players responded to going down was really good. It was a lot of good things there, and I don't think you can really take that away. Although it still does feel like they lost the game. It's just Sometimes that happens in life. Yeah. The Whitecaps are masters of the draw that feels like a loss. <laughs> um, of the, you know, the teams that, the team that the Whitecaps have fielded so far in two games have been pretty identical. 
who have you who have you liked watching the most out of the starting players? I think for me personally, I think so far it's been Cavallini, just to see, you know, it, and maybe this is just my perception, but it feels like he's a little bit of a different player, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that he's more confident. He's, you know, he did, you know, an amazing dribble to draw the penalty. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that wasn't necessarily dimensions of his game that we were seeing in the previous year. Yeah. And it's kind of neat to see that, oh, maybe he has a little bit more to offer, or maybe he's finding new tools in his toolbox to to bring out. You know, he's not just the, like, super strong guy, which admittedly he is, but, you know, if he can add some more dimension to his game, you know, it's just going to be even harder for teams to to play against him, and he's just going to suck those defenders in even more. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, we'll, we'll discuss um, in the Whitecaps section a little bit later the um, attacking axes that we have, and maybe we can spend a bit more time on Cavallini's role too, because it is you're, you are right. It seems to be a bit different than than the target man that we became accustomed to last year. Um, but before we get into our Colorado preview in our our first section, um, I think we need a bit of a warm up in you know MLS jargon. So we'll go to this week's Busey and the Beast. Welcome to this week's Beauty and the Beast. I'm once again joined by the wonderful Caroline. Hello, hello. So, Caroline, um, it's this is our third week doing this feature. Mm-hmm. How has your quality of life changed in that time? <laughs> Knowing about designated players and what was it last week? Um, the Supporters Shield. I feel like it's making COVID easier on me. Okay. Yeah, it's really easing all the struggles yeah we've been calling it beauty and the beast up to this point um last week you suggested some names that your sisters had this week we have a suggestion uh from the whitecaps community um i'm, I'm gonna run it by you now okay um M- mls splaining instead of <laughs> mansplaining mls splaining. i like that yeah. i like that i feel like whoever suggested that picked up on the vibe we were giving with our ideas and just made it <laughs> better but still i feel like it well I, I said this at the very start when we did the first episode this is probably the only topic that i know more about than you no physics the only exciting topic okay. <laughs> all right let's let's let that name simmer a bit and then we'll come back I'm to this mls splaining yeah it's a little bit it's too a... many consonants in there but it kind of works right it works okay. i like it i like it let's let's sit on it for a week and it's funny because. I'm the one explaining, kind of. Kind of, kind of, yeah. Well, not really, actually. <laughs> doing most of the well, explaining. Soon you'll be able to explain just about everything to do with MLS and the Whitecaps. Oh, yeah. Um, this week, we're going to talk about something called the international window. The international window. Yeah. First impression on the international window? What do you think that is? I feel like it's something to do with, like... A timeline. Okay. During which... Like a window of opportunity? A window of time, okay. yeah. Of opportunity during which... You're right about that. What? Let me figure out a <laughs> yeah. clear thought. International. Yeah, during which maybe they can 
trade or buy players internationally. Okay, so what you described is the international transfer window. Which is a it's different thing. Basically, the yeah, same you, name. You get, you probably get points for that. But is the there, international do we window. We have a point system for this. We can invent one. <laughs> if you want. No, the international window is something a little bit different. It's um, just international window, not international tra transfer window. Yes, yes. So the the players who play for the Whitecaps or other MLS teams sometimes are good enough to play for their national team as well. Not many of them, but like the Whitecaps have a lot of Canadian players. Wait. From there, can I try to guess? Yes, yes. Is it like the time when they're allowed to go play for their team? Their national team. Their national team? Yeah. Ah. yeah. So some wasn't the, too far. Yeah, you were very close. Um, <laughs> closer than um, designated player that we did the first week, or supporter's shield that you... Well, the yeah. name is not yeah. as... Some of these names actually make sense, I guess, is yeah. the difference. But anyway, international windows, some of the players leave their club and go play for their team. And... Uh, Usually, like, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan. When all those Manchester... You are? Yeah. Really? <laughs> when, all, <laughs> when all of those Manchester United players go to their national team, Manchester United don't play because they wouldn't have any players to play, right? Yeah. Or that's, they have really sucky players. Well, th that's not the case with the Whitecaps. When the good players, quote-unquote good players, mm -hmm. go to play for their national team, quite often the Whitecaps still have games. To play. Well, it gives a chance to the players who may be on the bench more. Yeah, but it creates a lot of problems because let's say you had a really good striker mm -hmm. and on your team, you're going to have to have a backup guy because that really good striker could leave for two weeks to go to play for his national team and miss a game or two. Yeah. Um, so it can be kind of annoying. There used to be a time where there was like playoff games around an international window. So they had to like move playoff games and stuff like that. So. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But why don't they just do what the Premier, Premier League does? Great question. It's kind of scheduling and stuff like yeah. that. Because the Premier League plays from uh, August to May. But in North America, we play from March to like November. So the schedule is a bit different. Gotcha. Yeah. Sometimes there's like a World Cup right in the middle of the... Yeah. yeah. So that's the international window. Thumbs up, thumbs down for the, for the name. Name's good. And the concept? I think the concept is not very well applied if it's causing so many problems. Yeah, well, you can join the masses of people who think it's not really well thought yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you get really good organizer on that and it should yeah. be fixed. Next, next week, we should profile this guy called Don Garber, and then we can jump off from there. He's the commissioner. Who's Don? <laughs> yeah. He's the commissioner of the league. Yeah. What is a commission of the Okay, maybe we could use that <laughs> next time. <laughs> no idea. And for the time being, thank you very much, Caroline, again, for coming on this week's MLS explaining slash Beauty and the Beast. I'm, I'm trying to say it nicely. MLS explaining. MLS explaining. MLS explaining. Yeah. There you go. All right. Talk to you next week. Well, we live together, so we'll talk yeah, to each other please soon. Please talk to me before next week. <laughs> You'll talk to the fans next week. <laughs>
they have not had a good start to the season so far. Which is interesting because, like, last season, like, they seemed they, – they, they got the playoff spot. We didn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and that's – you know, there's a lot of controversy, I think, around that, at least from, you know, being a Whitecaps fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I agree. Like, this year, it seems like they're starting off on the wrong foot because on paper – they should be a really, really good team, or at least a, a decent, a team decent enough to get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, yeah. They, I think my perspective, a lot of that has to do with people that are missing. Yeah, it's a good point. And they, they've brought a, a lot of the same key players back, right? Um, the Whitecaps didn't have the pleasure of playing Colorado last year, but you look through the team sheets and players like... Um, Price and uh, Acosta, I guess, is kind of new for the Whitecaps, but a lot of familiar faces like Rubio, um, Barrios, formerly formerly of FC Dallas, um, Danny Wilson in center back. Acosta. Yeah, Acosta. And Nick Blair. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a good team on paper. Like, I think Mosquito is still the team too, unless I'm mistaken. But, like, you, you don't look at that team and think, one point out of a possible six, right? Um, yeah. In the first two games. And it's still early. They, they could beat the Whitecaps and then they would be level on points with the Whitecaps. It's kind of the perils of looking at the table too early in the season, I guess. Very true. Very true. But I think, you know, it, it speaks, but the fact that they lost to Austin. Yes. An expansion team in such a manner when they were up 1-0. I think that speaks to a little bit of the problems going on right now. And I don't necessarily think it's a player problem. Maybe it's more of a tactical problem and like a front office issue of, do you have enough players to cover, you know, your decisions that you made? You know, Mm -hmm. if you're deciding to play Acosta in the back, where I don't think he's necessarily having your most, the best impact mm-hmm. well you have to be prepared for your midfield to be really disjointed and run over like yeah. it was in, in Austin game yeah yeah they they played Acosta at left back last game um if you look look across that back line it's just it screams MLS to me it's uh Acosta trusty Danny Wilson and uh Keegan Rosenberry in right back with uh with Yarbrough in goal so yeah I Hmm. It just looked yeah. like someone's fantasy team. <laughs> um, okay. and, and like, honestly, like I like Rosenberry and I, you know, I think Yarborough is a, a decent goaltender as well. Like in terms of like MLS level, you know, um, and obviously Acosta, I think is fantastic. And I mean, and I mean, I think for the American national team, he's occasionally played that position too. So it's not like he's incredibly unfamiliar at that position, but I think, with the the problem was more in the midfield, just couldn't link up there, and they were kind of getting overrun. And I think they need Acosta in the midfield. It'll be interesting to see in this game if they're going to make that adjustment. Do yeah. they put Acosta in the midfield, or do they keep him where they were having him? I think that might just be the whole question of whether the Whitecaps are going to win or not. Is where is Acosta playing? I hate to boil it i mean it's a pretty simplistic view of it but given the previous you know games that might be the biggest decision is what is uh 
what's where's where's he gonna play yeah it's hard it's hard to run the game from left back right very few <laughs> players can can do that but if if Acosta was in the midfield with like with Jack Price beside him to do the defensive covering and have Acosta go box to box then that that completely transforms what the team would look like right mm-hmm. And admittedly, then you're going to have to put somebody else at left back who maybe that's not their natural position. But I think the argument would be, well, better to have your weakness at left back than your weakness in the midfield. Yeah, that that kind of sets up a very interesting midfield battle. Like if you if you look at the Whitecaps midfield two, I guess if they if they stay with the four four two of uh, mm-hmm. Bikel and Baldissimo. Wouldn't you be tempted to put like a game-changing midfielder up against those two who lacked maybe the experience or the I don't know the the cunning to like go toe to toe with someone like Acosta? What do you think? And and the fact of the matter is you you've played him out of position in in quotes for kind of two games now, and you haven't produced results. So now is a great time to try it out and see yeah. if it works. Yeah, really good point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Whitecaps had two plans, one for Acosta at left back and one for Acosta in midfield, because it, I think we've kind of identified him as the focal point, or at least the potential with the player with the most potential upside. But that being said, he was very poor uh, in, in the last game uh, against, uh, against Austin. But yeah, hard to expect anyone to come out of there with a good score after losing 3-1. Um, Nick, they played a 4-4-1-1. What do you think about that? It, like, typically, typically teams play that when they know they have issues defending and they have to make sure there's enough numbers behind the ball. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I understand that, but then when you look at how they played that four-four-one-one, right? The problem was that they were having trouble getting out of the back. Mm. You know, that was the really big problem like you look at two of Austin's goals came from really good pressing and turnovers you know and maybe the the maybe that's something that they have to think about is okay maybe this is a game where we as Colorado need to to sit back deeper and not think about necessarily playing it out of the back um maybe we should just boot it up the field but then who do they have as their target man, right? Yeah. I mean, Rubio played up front last week and he's a bit more knock the ball over the back line than at your target man kind of a guy. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, given the players that they have, they might be forced, being forced to play this way, you know, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, they don't really have the players with the technical. I don't, I don't mean to knock Colorado completely and say they don't have any technical players. They do. But when you're playing your technical passer in the left-back position, that's not the best place for him. Yeah, yeah so it just – I think we're facing negative tactics, but you never know, right? Like maybe they've penciled this Whitecaps game in as the game that they go for it and they come out like in a 4-3-3 or something like that. Um, yeah, like – Maybe they go for it, but I think they know how exposed they are on their their flanks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
you know, the Whitecaps, you know, during these last two games have been, you know, reasonably good at, at attacking the flanks of, of the other teams that they're playing against and, and hitting them in transition. And that's the question is, will the Whitecaps have seen that, oh, this pressing by Austin worked really well. And, you know, maybe we're going to try it here and put a lot of pressure on that back line. And if I'm Colorado, that's my question, right? Is like, how do I, how do I go with that? And kind of the answer to that is maybe sit a little bit deeper, Mm -hmm. wait for the counter and And not necessarily try to play out of the back. And the Whitecaps don't necessarily have the player to pick a, like a key pass in tight spaces, right? They've definitely been more of a transition team. So maybe that sit back tactic is something that the, that they'll do. You know, a, a team that's gotten one point from two games, I don't think they have enough confidence to go for a win, right? They would take another point just to move a little bit higher up the table, even though they'll be well out of mm-hmm. a playoff position at this, at this early point anyway. Yeah, you can make the argument, but then at the same time, like look at last year, kind of what happened, right? Yeah. That kind of same situation towards the end when the playoffs are on the line could happen again, yeah. right? Where, where games are getting canceled and then it's every game matters, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. there is a little bit of added randomness and you, you probably don't want to necessarily maybe play too negative if you yeah. think you can get the point. But I don't know if Colorado is confident enough given their roster right now to do that. Yeah. I think the first five minutes of this game will be very telling as to Colorado's intention. Did they spend all week thinking about dropping back and having two banks of four? Or do they actually have a strategy to attack? I think very early in the game we'll find that out. Um, mm-hmm. Nick, we, we've we've talked kind of about the, the tactics. It's time for a little game to have a look at the numbers. So just like we've been doing all season, this year's game is called Over Under. So Nick and I will pitch stats from the 2020 Colorado Rapids uh, stats sheets at each other and um, ask for an over-under on the uh, proposed statistic. And if you're right, you get a point. If you're wrong, you don't. Last week, Gideon beat me by three to two. Still hurts. So, Nick, I'm hoping for a win this week, just like Colorado, just to get a confidence boost for the rest of the season. Mm. (laughs) I'm hoping to to get get at least... Not a goose egg. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, Nick, I'll pitch three to you first, and then uh, uh, we'll switch it around, okay? Okay. So, Diego Rubio, 15 appearances. I'm going to say under. Oh, he got 17, so it was over. Oh. Yeah. Surprising, right? Like, there weren't many games last year. Um, yeah. Kai Kamara last year, five goals. Uh, I'm going to say uh, under. Under, you're right. One one for two so far. And finally, William Yarbrough, three clean sheets. Over? Yeah, he had four. So you got two of three. Okay. All right, so Nick, I need uh, a perfect game to win. Um, but I'll take a draw. I'll take two, two out of three and <laughs> walk away with the point today. So lay the questions on. Okay. So Drew Moore... Uh, last season had a 90% pass rate. Ooh, he was playing in the back. Um, I'll go over. I'll go over. That is correct. He had 92%. Okay, good. All right. Kellen Acosta 
and this is one of my favorite stats, had six key passes. Ooh. Oh, that's tough. That is tough because that's around where I would expect him. I'll go over again. Correct. He had seven. Oh, okay, okay. For the win, the next one. All right. And then Jay Price had 16 passes per, per game. Yeah, per 90. Passes per 90. Okay. Under? That is correct. You oh. went three for three. <laughs> oh, they said it was impossible. They said it was impossible. <laughs> if there's one person you can do it against, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long season, Nick. There's still, still a long way to go. Okay, I think our adrenaline is up enough that we can now talk about the Whitecaps. Um, biggest question for me, 442, mm -hmm. we go with that again? I think so. It's, you know, it's been working. And it could be that battle of the midfield, you know, like who does Colorado send out to the midfield? Yeah. And if you just look at who we've been playing recently, I think the two, Baldissimo has been great in the midfield. And I think if we keep the same pairing, I think we can, can win that midfield battle, you know? I, I have a small issue with how Baldissimo is being used. Just, just a small one. Um, he's doing that thing where, I guess, quarterbacking, where you drop back. Um, when Gutierrez pushes up, he fills in the left-back role. Because from there, he can see the whole pitch, right? Um, yeah. I would like – I love his passing in tight spaces. And he's not in tight spaces there. And the Whitecaps just don't have someone, like, who can – maybe Dahomey and Caicedo, but, like, if, if – if uh, Baldissimo could just be a little bit further up, I feel like he could influence the game more. And as a result of him dropping back, I just feel we go 10 minutes in a game without really knowing that he's there because um, he's just spreading the ball around the back, which, you know, Andy Rose can do because he's a midfielder, right? Mm -hmm. It might give him more of an impact. But then I think the question as well is if, if you send him forward further, that might, um, especially if you're playing that 4-4-2, that might expose your midfield a little bit. So it's a, I, I think it's a really interesting idea. I just don't think that this is necessarily the formation for him to do it in. Yeah, maybe a 4-2-3-1 or something. Is, yeah, I, I something like that I think would be much better suited, the 4-2-3-1. Yeah, and this isn't the most intimidating midfield the Whitecaps will come up, up against, so maybe more of the like, stability is more important than experimentation. At this point, get as many points on the board as the while the team is playing well, I guess. Especially early on, and again, like like we saw last season, it turns out every point, all the points count, you know. Yeah. And if we can get those points early and not have any kind of drop off, you know, that's great. Putting the Whitecaps in a better position. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, the goalkeeper and backline kind of speaks for itself at this point. I, I don't think. Um, Bruno Gaspar is at a point where he can replace Jake Nerwinski on the right side yet. Nerwinski's been playing well, so probably, probably yeah. no concern there. Godoy. I think and... he's, he's been acceptable. I mean, you know, I saw some people making some arguments that he made a mistake on some of the goals, but I think that's maybe a little bit harsh. But he's been passable, I think. Yeah. Serviceable. Yeah. And Godoy might come back to fill in one of the centre-back spots. I'm not sure exactly how his fitness is yet, but... I think we need that, though. You yeah. know, as much as Andy Rose is 
okay there. I think if we had Godoy back there, would these mis- that mistake have happened? Maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Godoy, yeah, he's, his calm and positioning are, are much needed. But again, this isn't the game that I'm worried about that kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Although Rubio can be a, a tricky customer sometimes. Um, Gu- Gutierrez in left back, I think it was man of the match in both games. And yep. rightly so. The one thing, and I'm really nitpicky sometimes, and this is one of those cases, positioning, not always perfect, but he's young, he's learning, and he makes up for it by really good, being really good on the ball. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I mean, he does also have the, the athleticism to get back, right? Yes. And, and cover. And, and Tybert, you know, how he's, you know, Tybert is also there. And in some way, you know, Tybert's been much more defensive minded, mm-hmm. you know, to cut for probably to cover for his, Gutierrez going forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was critical of Tybert starting in left wing, but the dynamic that they have there with Gutierrez and Tybert, it seems to be okay. It's just, you don't have the player who can run at a defender, which is what you want from a winger sometimes. Like Gutierrez, he gets forward to cross. He doesn't get forward to beat players, right? Um, That's but, true. Yeah, I can't expect everyone to be Alfonso Davies playing on the left, I guess. Um, that's, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> We've been <laughs> spoiled thing, for far too long. Yeah, if there's one thing to take away from this preview pod is not everyone is Alfonso Davies. The midfield two, we discussed them a little bit. I think the last thing we can touch on, which we alluded to earlier, was the axes of attack with uh, Caicedo on the right wing, Dahomey and uh, Cavallini up front. Mm -hmm. Something very exciting is brewing there, Nick. Yeah, I think, but I I also like what you, you know, you were alluding to with like Gutierrez, you know, he's the one getting crosses, but then it's kind of making a little bit of a lopsided kind of formation in terms of the attack, right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, that there is this kind of strong, I don't want to say like preference for that side necessarily, but there definitely is like a stronger attacking intent on one side more than the other. Yeah, I I think that's kind of a square peg and round hole situation. Like ideally you would play Caicedo as a winger in a, Four two three one or something like that. Um, they're mm-hmm. very much asking him to play that wide midfield role um, out of out of his comfort zone. I think he he does have the pace to get back and help out. But then again, mm-hmm. you know, your your fullback on his side is more defensively minded in Jake Nerwinski. That's true. So like it it does allow him more opportunity to get the ball into dangerous places. Combine with the home, combine with the midfield. And also take it wide. So I think, but that's the versatility, I think, of that, of him as a player, is he can do any of those things. And that can help make your attack more dynamic. Yeah. And hopefully cause more problems uh, for that side of the uh, Colorado Rapids. Yeah, yeah. Which potentially would be the side that Acosta would play at left back, right? Would like... If uh, Caicedo was attacking on the Whitecaps' right, that would be Colorado's left. Um, the, the, yeah, and that, that's a really good point because yeah. if he's – and he's usually the one – and he's going forward, mm-hmm. right? Acosta's going forward, so there might be a lot of space uh, back there as well for um, 
Dahomey or Cavallini to also exploit, you yeah. know, if they want to drift a, a little wider. Yeah, I, I spent a bit of time today thinking, what is it about the Caicedo, Dahomey, Cavallini attack that is so exciting, right? And I was thinking, like, is it that one of them is really strong, another one's really technical, and another one's really fast? Not really, because they all they all are very good in each of those. Like, Cavallini is strong, but he's not slow, right? Dahomey is exactly. technical, but he's also pretty strong. You know, they, there just isn't really a weakness. Like, each of those players individually is a good player, and mm-hmm. together they play off of each other in such a way that, like, it's like they're on the same wavelength because of the attributes that they share. Yeah, and I mean, that's a, a really good point. But also, they're not really overlapping in each other's yes. domains either. Yeah, yeah. Right? Cavallini's doing that thing where he drops deep, and then Dahomey and Caicedo know that's the sign for them to take off. Um, exactly. It's, it's almost like that kind of like, I'm not saying Cavallini is like, a, like looking to play in the faster characters on his team, but that's kind of what it is almost, mm-hmm. right? Like he's dropping down, maybe he brings a defender with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Opening up some of that space for, you know, either of those two pacey players to get in behind. Um, and it's kind of like kind of like a false nine. I'm not saying he's a false nine. Don't misinterpret, you know, what I'm here first, saying. folks. Nicholas Ruprecht. <laughs> Cavallini is a false nine. <laughs> but like kind of like that in a sense. Right. Yeah. You I, know, I think- helping spring the wingers into the space behind it's it's a it's a dy- it's not a tactical thing it's a dynamic that they have right like mm-hmm. like half the time Cavallini could do that and if they don't make the run there was no point at Cavallini dropping in to get the ball right um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I the exciting thing is I think that's just one of the possible like upsides of this of these three players right like we've seen it a few times Cavallini will drop in and turn and spring one of the faster players. But I think there's a lot more. There's like... Cavallini can also hold up the ball for either of them. Yes. Two, yes. Right? Or, like, or if a cross comes in, he could lay it off for either of them, right? Like, there's, exactly. There's just so much... If, if you know the three players can work together in this way, you can design an, an entire tactic or a game plan around certain aspects. Like, let's say there's a team that have two weak center backs, right? Then you have Cavallini just sticking to one of the center backs and knocking balls down for, for the other two who, who know that they have to run onto the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It just feels like something we haven't had in such a long time is options on how you want to attack teams. Maybe the key thing for the Whitecaps going forward this year is making sure those options aren't stale. Like too many, for many years, the Whitecaps have always been that we're this counterattacking team. We have one way to come at you. And we're also going to lob in like a whole bunch of crosses. And, you know, when we didn't have a really big target man who was good in the air, attacking output was piddling, you know, (laughs) you know, it wasn't up to the standard of being a playoff team consistently. And I guess like the hope is, okay, well, these, this group, if you look at any of the the groups, you know, the, the best teams in the MLS, their attacks are dynamic. They can come at you in multiple ways. You know, they don't just have one particular way of doing things. You know, they have multiple ways of getting at you and making the, the chances happen. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. We, it's been 
that guy at the party who only knows one song on the guitar for too long. And it's a good song. <laughs> it's a good song. It's a really sad song sometimes, but you know, you feel something. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, we've uh, we've um, spoken about the White Caps a bit. Maybe we should listen to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Um, earlier <laughs> earlier in the week, Michael had a chance to talk to Mark DeSantos, um, who will talk about uh, training in the build-up to the game, uh, what he's looking out for on the weekend, and some thoughts on the season so far. Yeah, you've had a couple of days, obviously, now to, to digest the, the weekend's game. Is there anything that you, you've kind of seen looking over it that didn't kind of jump out at you right away? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're still digesting that we, we didn't get the full three points uh, because I think it's a game that was uh, under control for that. Um, but then um, we reviewed the times we lost a little bit control and when we dropped back, um, how it started to create, give more field to Toronto to operate. Uh, so we looked at that. Uh, we evaluated our numbers physically. It wasn't an easy game physically to deal with uh, for both teams. Um, we know it's also uh, due to to the weather. Um, the other part that we need work and we're going to improve there is... Uh, when we have possession in the last and uh, and the opponent's half, I think we we need more clarity on on what we need to do in those areas of the field. So, look, I think there was a lot of good things in the game, even some moments of transition that we just didn't take the right decision, uh, or we give the ball too early, or we could have dri- driven with the ball a little bit more. So there's a lot of things that we evaluate and we felt that there's still, uh, we feel there's still a lot of things to, to grow as a team. And, um, but again, it's, it's better to work that uh, with the two results that we had than with two negative results. Colorado coming up at the weekend, they, they've had a, a tough and interesting start to the season. They look dangerous uh, at set pieces, but then so, so do yourselves. Is, is this where you feel the game may be won at the weekend? Uh, it's going to be a very important part, Michael. A uh, part that is going to need a lot of attention from, from us. Um, Colorado is an experienced team. Uh, Colorado is a team that, that did well in the games that they played in uh, last season and made the playoffs. Uh, they were already dangerous on set plays last season, uh, so they're continuing in those in those moments. Uh, Colorado is a team that, in transition, are very dangerous with the type of players they have. Um, the three-one against Austin is a very tricky result when you watch the game again, and we watched the game Colorado and Austin, and we felt the re- the result doesn't really really reflect everything that happened in the game. Um, but we have a group that is able to forget very quickly about yesterday and focus a lot on the game we have uh, on Sunday. So, again, we're preparing uh, this game with very high levels of responsibility and uh, awareness of the type of opponent. And, um, you know, it's the, the points are very close. Um, we started at a, with a win in a... A draw, they started with uh, a draw and a loss, but at the end, only three points separate the two teams. So 
Um, it's going to be, again, like every game that, that we see in our schedule, every game is going to be difficult, and this is another one. What have you made of, of MLS, especially in the West, the first two weeks? There's, there's been some interesting results, maybe surprises, but it certainly looks like teams like yourselves and the Galaxy that weren't in the playoff picture last year look to have strengthened, look to have got better. What have you made of the action so far? I'm not going to give you my opinion on where I think the strengths are in MLS because then I'm going to have a part of the league very upset at me. But right there with what I told you, you already know what I think. Uh, the games that we have are hard, are hard games. Uh, there's a lot of investing, uh, investment happening also uh, in the the in the West, not not only us, we became better, but everybody in our division became better. Um, so so it's hard, and you have to be ready for it. Um, look, this is what I could tell you on on what I felt about the games and how I feel. Uh, you know what I'm a little bit, what I question a little bit, and maybe what the this is an opinion about how the league could be more West and including the West with the East. I don't like the format of uh, only in the, the, the playoffs in your division and then you play the West against the East in the final of the, the MLS Cup. I, I don't like that format. I think that they should be more uh, mixed, you know, like the number two of the East plays the number seven of the West and so on and, and see how things pan out there. But um, look, we're in a tough division. We have a tough schedule. We're aware of that. That's why we take every game like a final and we take it a game at a time. Cheers, Mark. Thank you, Michael. Mark DeSantos there, the man with the plan, and uh, the man who hopefully will bring three points back to uh, Sandy, Utah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Sweet home Utah. <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, uh, where can people find you online to let you, let you know that they disagree about Cavallini being a false nine? Yeah, uh, definitely that's a hot take. <laughs> a flaming <laughs> hot take. Um, yes, Ace Age Robot 56. And you can find me at Joe DC Van on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening to episode 447 of the AFTN podcast. Enjoy the game. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.